Thank you. Honorable members, before we proceed, I'd like to remind you that the virtual mini plenary is deemed to be in the precincts of parliament and constitutes a meeting of the National Assembly for debating purposes only. In addition to the rules of virtual settings, the rules of the National Assembly, including the rules of debate, apply. Members enjoy the same powers and privileges that apply in the sitting of the House. Members should equally know that anything set in the virtual platform is deemed to have been set to the House and may be ruled upon. All members who have logged in shall be considered to be present and are requested to mute their microphones and only unmute when recognized to speak. This is because the microphones are very sensitive and will pick up noise, which might disturb the attention of other members. And when recognized to speak, please unmute your microphone and connect your video. Members may make use of the icons on the bar at the bottom of the screens, which has an option that allows a member to put up his or her hand to raise a point of order. The Secretariat will assist me in this regard. When using the virtual system, members are urged to refrain or desist from unnecessary points of order or interjections. We shall now proceed to the order, which is debate on vote number eight, National Treasury Appropriation Bill. I now recognize the Honorable Minister of Finance. Uh, House Chair, um, thank you very much for the opportunity to um, be in the House. Um, to present budget vote number eight, National Treasury. I recognize all honorable members, in particular, the uh, chairperson of the Standing Committee on Finance, the honorable uh, Maswangani. I also recognize the other members of the committee who work tirelessly to ensure that we arrive at this point. Honorable members, thank you for this opportunity once again to be in this mini plenary sitting on the budget vote of the National Treasury. We have titled our intervention this afternoon as the pillar of the state, the national treasure. It has been, as we all know, a very eventful year so far in the life of our country and across the globe <coughs> since the last budget vote debate. South Africa, like the rest of the world, has had to deal with the human cost and massive economic disruption visited upon us by COVID-19. This year, a significant and promising economic recovery is taking place, especially as we begin the real serious program of vaccine rollout in our country. Like many Af African countries, South Africa has the opportunity to benefit from the combined effect of a faster global economic recovery, higher commodity prices, and global monetary conditions. We should not lose focus on achieving strong and sustainable economic growth. Therefore, 
taking this opportunity will depend on our ability to implement in a very serious way domestic economic reforms. At the same time, there are many risks to the outlook, including the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, uncertainty about the sustainability of emerging market debt in a period of rising global interest rates and our domestic electricity constraints. This is very important to bear in mind, uh, honorable members, because whilst we see some green shoots uh, on the horizon, we should also bear in mind the risks which are inherent uh, to the system. So this is budget vote number eight, National Treasury. I thought it important to remind all of us, what are the purposes and functions of the National Treasury? In this regard, the National Treasury's legislative mandate is based on section 21, uh, 216 rather, subsection one of the constitution, which states and gives the tasks of the National Treasury to ensure transparency, accountability, and in the management of South Africa's public finances. This role is further elaborated upon in the Public Finance Management Act. The department is mandated to promote national government's fiscal policy and the coordination of macroeconomic policy. And I want to emphasize this because it's sometimes misunderstood. The coordination of macroeconomic policy for the national treasury is in the law. And as such, all government departments need to work together with the national treasury in the coordination of macroeconomic policy. There's no other institution in the Republic which is given that responsibility. Ensure the stability and soundness of the financial system and financial services, coordinate intergovernmental financial and fiscal relations, manage the budget process, ensure transparency and effective management in respect of revenue and expenditure of assets and liabilities, public entities and constitutional institutions. The main agencies in this budget vote are the National Treasury as a department, the South African Revenue Services, the Financial Intelligence Center and the State Security Agency. Many members might not know that the budget controls for the South African State Security Agency is actually within the National Treasury. Collectively, they receive 41.1 billion rand in 2021-22 for their own operations. A large portion of the vote allocation is dedicated to the transfers to provincial governments for the provincial equitable share. The department has the following increases to its baseline. 7 billion rand over the MTEF period to stabilize the land bank's financial position. 1 billion rand in 2021-22 for the improvement of ICT systems and capacity building at SARS. And 191.1 million rand over the MTEF period to partially support the operations of the infrastructure funds. This budget will be committed to the National Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan, including by supporting vital economic reform programs, 
and advancing the transformation of our economy. In addition, we continue to work to relieve the devastating effects of the COVID uh, situation. Active measures are being implemented to realign the composition of our spending from consumption to investment and support efforts to lower the cost of capital through Operation Volin Lela, which Deputy Minister is going to talk about. The International Monetary Fund in its uh, April World Economic Outlook has forecast global growth to be around Our apologies for that, Honourable Minister. There's a member from the EFF, the Honourable Nontandu Noluchinga, who has a microphone on. Please oh. switch your microphone. We may proceed, Honourable Minister. Yeah. I was at, before I was rudely interrupted, I was chair, I was saying that the World Economic Outlook in April forecasts that the global economy will grow by some 6%, with a major impetus coming from China and India at the time. But now with the state in which India is in, we are a bit, uh, a bit concerned. Now, the South African outlook has also improved. Uh, South Africa's GDP rose by 6.3% in the fourth quarter of 2020 on a quarter to quarter seasonally adjusted and annualized basis after expanding by 67.3% in the third quarter, upwardly revised from 66.1%. However, with our recovery lagging other comparable countries and without faster growth, South Africa is unlikely to reach 2019 output levels before 2023. Despite the nascent recovery, the pandemic and subsequent lockdown, which have worsened the already dire unemployment situation. The unemployment rate, as we know, has grown to a record high of some 32.5%. That is the narrow definition. The expanded definition is much, is much higher. And we should all remain concerned about this state of affairs. On the positive side, inflation remains fairly under control within the six to 3% range. Uh, as determined for the inflation targeting framework. And um, I noticed that today the central bank unanimously uh, through its monetary policy committee decided to keep uh, interest rates unchanged. I'm not allowed to say any further about that in case I'm seen as ruling from the grave, which I have no intention of doing. But rising global uh, commodity prices are a major support for us. And this has seen the exchange rate of the RAND appreciate very strongly, up 4.2% year to date to around 14 um, RAND to the US dollar on the 14th of May. South African government continues to pursue a balanced and prudent fiscal strategy. This fiscal strategy has a framework and that fiscal framework was presented in the house and we have no intention whatsoever of breaking this fiscal framework. As I've said before, the fiscal framework is sacrosanct. We can't break it. Whatever challenges we might face, whatever new resources we might need, 
for one uh, action or the other, that has to be within the fiscal framework. The fiscal framework is unchangeable for now. It's, it's sacrosanct. I then uh, <clears throat> submit, uh, House Chair, that uh, there are a number of challenges which face the National Treasury. And with a committed team that is there within the National Treasury, led by DG Dondo Mukhajane, I'm quite convinced that they will continue to meet their obligations. With these few words, uh, House Chair, I would like to thank you for your, um, uh, for you giving me the opportunity to say these few words, and I very much look forward uh, to the debate. And thank very much, uh, uh, Baba uh, Mashangani and his team for the support that they always give to us. I'll be listening carefully and I'll respond later. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Honourable Minister. The next speaker is the Honourable Mashwangani. Uh, I can say so much to you, Honourable Frohli. As you know, Republic Africa Zonga. Wow, all of them, all of them. Now, Dr. Masondo and other deputy ministers present. Standing Committee on Finance, having considered the National Treasury and South African Revenues Annual Performance Plan 2021-2022, reports as follows. The Minister of Finance tabled the annual performance plans of the National Treasury, SARS, and other entities in their finance portfolio in line with Section 10, Subsection 1C of the Money Bills Amendment Procedure and Related Matters Act, Act Number 9 of 209 Money Bills Act. Consideration and report. Chairperson, we present this report why there is still high uncertainty in the global economy due to COVID 19. The IMF global economic outlook of last month shows that the contraction was unprecedented in living memory. And as the minister has already alluded to that, that uh, it is expected that the global economy will grow by 6% in 2021 and moderate at 4.4 in 2022. The world economic outlook for April shows that losses have been particularly large for countries that rely on tourism and commodity exports. We are still not out of the woods as yet with the pandemic, with talks of the third wave. The third wave, we are told, will be a major risk to the global economy. We only have to look at what is happening in Brazil and India, which are South Africa's BRICS partners. 
Therefore, there is still very high uncertainty that surrounds the clause. Close our home chairperson in Zimbabwe after facing an economic crisis exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Zimbabwe's economy is set to rebound by 2.9%, supported by recovery of agriculture and due to base effects. This is good news for South Africa, and Zimbabwe is our immediate neighbor, and our economies are almost integrated. Coming home, the Minister of Finance, Minister Mbowen, briefed the committee that currently South Africa is having an advantage of a stable interest, interest rates and low inflation. He said that the economy has improved slightly over the past six months, and this momentum is expected to continue. A continued stable rent dollar exchange rate is expected, and that and this is good for imports of country. In the contrary, it is argued that this situation is not good for dollar-based revenue, such as the export of minerals. A notable, a notable challenge for government remain the illicit economic activities. Also, government should continue to come up with measures to mitigate against challenges of job losses. The minister has already spoken about the problem of unemployment, which is rising, rising poverty and inequality. Overview of the national treasury budget and programs. A total of 41 billion will be allocated to national treasury in 2021. And there are programs uh, below that form that constitute 41 billion, where program one, which is administration, is allocated 530,7 million and program two, economic policy, tax, financial regulation, and research is allocated 153.8 million. Program three, public finance and budget management is allocated 3.9 billion. Program four, asset and liability management is allocated 5.1 billion. Program five, financial accounting and supply chain management is allocated uh, 1.082 billion. Program six, international financial uh, relations is allocated 7.2 billion. Program seven, civil and military pensions contributions, 6.4 billion. Program eight, revenue administration 11.2 billion. Program nine, financial intelligence and state security, 5.2 billion. And the total is 41.055 billion. Of observations and recommendations, Chairperson, 
The committee notes the annual performance plans of National Treasury and SARS and notes their key priorities. In this regard, the committee notes the assurances made during its deliberations on the National Treasury's annual performance plan that government has set aside 4.35 billion in vaccination funding with possibilities to augment this if a need arises. The committee believes that for the vaccine strategy to work, government will need to expedite the testing and approval of other credible vaccines instead of relying only on two uh, current vaccines as uh, uh, provided for now. We believe that the scope should be broadened to bring other players in this uh, uh, fraternity. Two, the committee notes that beside the money bills, the Ministry of Finance plans to table a number of ordinary bills for processing by parliament during this year and over the MTF. These bills include FIC Act, the FICE Act, the South African Reserve Bank Act, SARS Act, Cooperative Banks Act, and many others. The committee requires National Treasury to give it a more workable legislative program for the year to enable the committee to plan accordingly. The committee notes that the public procurement bill might finally be tabled within this financial year, but only in December 2021. The committee believes that this bill will assist in consolidating the fragmented procurement regime uh, in government. The committee again urges National Treasury to prioritize this bill. The committee knows the plans by National Treasury on the implementation of IFMS 2 project. This project incurred fruitless and wasteful expenditure of 267 million since 2016-17, including 67 million in 2019-2020 alone. The committee will schedule a briefing session soon in order to receive an update on the status of this project and its timeline for completion. Also, the committee notes that there are processes within Treasury to implement controls and improve audit outcomes through the audit action plan. We note that the committee of senior national Treasury officials to implement this plan in cooperation with the Auditor General has been established. The committee believes that the audit action plan should form part of the annual performance plan with measurable targets and outcomes and urges National Treasury to consider this. The committee notes the progress report on the filling of critical vacancies in the department. Another contributing route as highlighted by the Auditor General, which is causing its instability is the problem of vacancies. In this regard, the committee urges the Minister of Finance to prioritize the filling of vacancies and acting positions at management level in National Treasury and all other entities that report to him. The committee welcomes the National Treasury plans to include Operation Volindler in its annual performance plan from the next financial year going forward. The committee knows that GTEC has now matured into a fully fledged program with a separate planning and reporting process instead of being a sub-program. The committee will invite GTEC in the next quarter in order to learn more about its plans 
and work, including on the Jobs Fund and Municipal Financial Improvement Program. This program is very important, Chairperson, as many municipalities you can see are facing very serious challenges to an extent that courts have ruled in many instances that the Minister of Finance and the COPTA should take over the running of those municipalities. This does not augur well for cooperative governance. The committee knows that one of the targets under program three is to identify and approve 20 catalytic projects in specially targeted areas. The committee expects to be briefed on this project and its expected impact on service delivery, growth and development. We further note that national, uh, not national treasuries update on the establishment of the state bank. The committee is concerned that there seem to have been no tangible progress in this regard as it received the same update this time last year. The committee urges the Minister of Finance to expedite this process of establishing the state bank. It also urges the National Treasury to put pressure on NEDLEC to put back on its agenda the Financial Sector Transformation Summit, which was promised several years ago. The inclusion of Blacks in the mainstream of the financial sector is fundamental, Chairperson. The committee knows progress at SARS and welcome the additional revenue of 38 billion rand collected by SARS in the previous financial year, despite difficulties brought by COVID-19 pandemic, which dampened the economy. The committee welcomes the uplifting of the freeze on uh, filling of vacancies at SARS and its recruitment drive to fill 300 vacancies and its graduate program. The committee is aware that South Africa is one of the few countries that are already collecting VAT from the digital economy and again commend this. The committee recommends that while National Treasury participate on the OECD, it should also work in collaboration with African Tax Administration Forum and the African Union in order to strengthen the interests of the developing countries in the global digital tax. In conclusion, Chairperson, we as the committee uh, commend uh, the minister, the deputy minister, the DG, and the entire administration of Treasury and their entities uh, uh, for providing leadership uh, in the financial portfolio. We also want to thank the parliamentary committee support team, the secretariat, the research team, and the entire support team for assisting us to do this uh, work. The Committee on Finance accept the budget of vote eight, National Treasury. So Chairperson, I therefore move for its adoption. Nakens, Inko. That was right. Thank you, Honorable Mashwangani. The next speaker is the Honorable Hill Lewis. Thank you very much, House Chairperson. Among all of the daily noise in South Africa, we have to keep focused on what really matters. What really matters is that our economy is not growing and it cannot grow. This is trapping 30 million people in poverty, 11 million people out of work, 
with all of their daily lives focused on the battle for survival. When families are struggling to survive, they cannot make use of any opportunities because at the most basic level, they have no time to think about anything else but where the next meal is coming from or how the children will be cared for. As more people go backwards into poverty, our country becomes more angry and we move further away from achieving our dream of a common society. Rapid economic growth is the only way out of this spiral. We must grow our economy much, much faster every year for years and years to come. If we do not, our society is not sustainable. It really is as simple and as serious as that. This is our national mission. This is the one thing that you sh should unite every one of us in this house to do whatever it takes to grow the economy faster now. What is the role of the national treasury in this? And how is it faring on that score? There are definitely some points of bright light. SARS is slowly rebuilding itself, as has been said, and is restoring integrity to that institution and is delivering impressive revenue results. In general, team treasury are excellent professionals of the highest capability and with the right intentions. And we have a minister who understands what needs to happen and is genuinely committed to making it happen. I thank Team SARS and Team Treasury for their hard work. They make us all proud. But I'd like to hone in on policy in uh, particular. The National Treasury should play a crucial policy role as the custodian and coordinator of economic policy across government. On that score, it must be said, it is failing to focus government on a growth agenda. The Treasury simply does not run economic policy in South Africa as it should. Too often, it is too cautious, retiring, and is happy to cede the space in the policy de debate to the many adherents of voodoo economics in the ANC and the DTI in particular. Every key economic reform in our country is stillborn or long stalled. Ministers openly contradict policy reforms that no lesser person than the president himself has committed his government to. The Minister of Energy, for example, is now the country's biggest handbrake on economic growth. He is flagrantly ignoring and contradicting the policy reforms that the president has committed to and which this national treasury has budgeted for. How is it that one incompetent minister with bad ideas can be allowed to hold back an entire country and no one in the government is brave enough to say so? The Treasury has long argued that we cannot carry on bailing out failing state companies, particularly when they are not even delivering. Yet, this year's budget contains a capitulation of bailouts, that's my new collective noun for bailouts, for SAA, ESCOM and the Land Bank. And finally, the minister promised to get debt under control by cutting the government wage bill, but his colleagues are unstitching that with offers of a cash bonus of 978 rand per month for every state employee. South Africans must be wondering what this cash bonus could possibly be for when their own experience of service delivery from national government is at an all-time low. Just last month, 6 million South Africans, more than 6 million, the very poorest and most vulnerable of all, 
were told that the government simply could not afford to continue paying them the 350 rand a month COVID grants. Imagine how those South Africans must feel, seeing that that same government now offering nearly triple that amount monthly to every civil servant. What a disgrace that is. The president is known for vacillation, but he outdid himself when he ruled out privatization of harbors in answer to a question from the leader of the opposition during question time last week. I could hear the collective groan of despair from the National Treasury, even from Cape Town. What exactly is the president afraid of? Is he afraid that our ports and harbors will end, end up being worse run than they are now? That's literally not possible. We have some of the most expensive, most inefficient harbors in the world. Everyone in government knows there's no money to fix the harbors. And even if there was, we don't have the capacity in the state to get it done. It's just that no one in government is brave enough to say it. Finally, only lunatics still argue that the size of the government's debt is not an existential threat to South Africa. Unfortunately, there is no shortage of loons in the ANC arguing exactly that, that deficits don't matter and that we can just print cash and spend as much as we want. And so, Chairperson, we continue in this ridiculous farce. The Treasury must preach growth while swallowing policies it knows will fail and must even for the sake of appearances propose some of its own Mad Hatter ideas, like a state bank, all in service of some tortuous government unity that everyone knows doesn't exist anywhere. No one is brave enough to say it. This government is a hot mess, and there is no hotter mess than the complete lack of a policy core to guide it. The Treasury must fill this vacuum with more aggression and determination. As always, we will be there to help where we can. That's why we've tabled the Fiscal Responsibility Bill, which is being considered in committee this week. The bill will limit all governments, present and future, from taking on more government debt than can be sustained by our economic growth. It is a sensible helping hand to the Treasury's efforts to get debt under control. And for that reason, I look forward to their support for my bill next week. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable Shabambu. No, thank you very much, uh, Chair. We, we, as the Economic Freedom Fighters, reject the proposed budget for National Treasury with content. The National Treasury continues to be a useful instrument in the protection and continuation of the unequal power relations in the economy. National Treasury continues to be a puppet of the neoliberal and neocolonial control by international financial institutions and now the rating agencies. Despite many commitments, the state bank and the sovereign wealth fund are still not created and there's no known plan to do so. Despite the public relations exercises, the national treasury and government as a whole is still failing to use fiscal and monetary policy to drive labor absorptive and localized industrialization. Despite various commitments, the national treasury is failing to use its procurement power to drive localization and the National Treasury has not said anything when a group of capitalists openly opposed localization. As you argued during SONA, there will never be any meaningful economic expansion except through industrial development. The current Minister of Finance has failed to provide any believable, practical, 
or implementable plan to speak of that can be trusted to lead any economic recovery. This is evident by the continued decline of the economy, even before COVID-19. Of the five quarters, the minister was in charge. All except one experienced a decrease. The last three quarters are by no means an indication of economic recovery. Instead, it is simply the opening of shops after the mismanaged lockdown imposed without a clear economic and relief plan, besides the imaginary 500 billion COVID-19 relief fund that was never there. The true reflection of the state of affairs and pace of economic recovery is most demonstrated by the joblessness in the economy. When the minister took over, more than 16.5 million people were employed. Today, more than 1.5 million have lost their jobs and there's no response to this catastrophe. Instead, the National Treasury continues to be misguided in their approach to economic recovery. And this was aptly demonstrated by the so-called budget speech that spoke of securing the economy post-COVID-19 when it is evident that there's no post-COVID inside without vaccines. There's no additional money that was allocated to vaccines or to revive public health care in South Africa. Instead, the whole of Treasury is preoccupied with austerity budgets, despite scientific evidence that it has never worked anywhere in the world. Over and above the mismanagement of the economy, the Treasury is even failing to manage the bare minimum responsibility given to it by the Constitution. The levels of fruitless, weightful, and uh, irregular expenditure continues to increase in all spheres and levels of government, including irregular and wasteful expenditure by, by the National Treasury itself. In fact, all indications are that no one is taking the Treasury serious anymore. They fail to manage the wasteful and corrupt expenditure on PPEs. The Treasury had previously rejected a proposal by South 32 in terms of the increase of prices of coal in one of the coal power stations that National Treasury must give approval for. But because of South 32's connections to the president and to the ruling party, such has now been approved, despite the fact that ESCOM has got no money to do so. All entities under the supervision of National Treasury are in crisis. The PIC doesn't have a stable board, doesn't have clear management, doesn't have a clear direction of what should happen. And this is despite the fact that this legislative guidance that was given to the PIC in terms of the priority areas that it must focus on and to say that it must stop politicizing its asset management responsibilities. As a result, workers are, continue, are going to continue losing uh, billions of rents because of uh, the management of assets that has got political interest in it. The chairperson of the PIC board is involved in deals that involve the PIC. We have raised it several times, and the Minister of Finance is turning a blind eye on that. He is now even appointed to be the chairperson of one of the banks that are controlled by the Stellenbosch Mafia. And the Minister of Finance is not doing anything despite the obviously conflictual relationship that, that exists between the PIC and a private bank. SARS is not doing anything about tax avoidance, transfer pricing, and illicit financial flows. Instead, SARS is being used to fight political opponents and will soon expose all the role players that are involved in trying to misguide the direction of the revenue collector. The Financial Conduct Authority is micromanaged by, 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 by advisors and advisory bodies. 
There's no clarity in terms of what will be the role of the recently appointed uh, commissioner because there are those who are presiding over that. The land bank has currently been given money uh, for bailout, but there's no clarity in terms of how it is going to manage the, the, the economy. We have said several times, it's more than three years now where there was a commitment on creation of a state bank. It is not there. There is no believable and clear plan in terms of what happens. We must, we must perhaps continue to give direction through legislative amendments that we have given in terms of the South African Reserve Bank, because politically, all black political parties agree that we should remove the private shareholders in the South African Reserve Bank. We should perhaps take a lead in the creation of the state bank by introducing the state-owned bank bill, which will then define how the state bank is going to operate because it is clear that those that are manage, managing national treasury are failing to do so. We will again retable the anti-tax avoidance bill to then deal with illicit financial flows and tax avoidance that characterize the multinational corporations. We will table the sovereign wealth fund bill which will establish a sovereign wealth fund so that in terms of difficulties, we are able to manage that. But in all honesty, we must all admit that the national treasure under its current leadership is failing to guide South Africa's economy towards sustainable and impactful labor absorptive growth. And we cannot continue in that path because our people continue to lose jobs. They continue to be hopeless. They do not know who to run to. The EFF is here to provide leadership, including on a, a much more meaningful allocation of resources to the local state, because the local state continues to be given less than 10% of the overall revenue of the state, despite it being the cold phase of service delivery in South Africa. Chairperson will reject this budget vote with contempt and will vote against it when the term of voting arrives. Thank you very much. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable Butelezi. I'm Honorable Chairperson, if I may proceed on behalf of Honorable Butelezi, this is Mkule Wachlem. Please proceed, Honorable Member. Thank you very much, Chair. Honorable Chairperson, for the second time in a row, we are meeting under difficult circumstances as a result of the global health emergency caused by COVID-19 pandemic. The pandemic has shown us the importance of the national person protecting the nation through availing funds for the procurement of vaccines and closing the socioeconomic gap created by the pandemic. The efforts of the National Treasury have helped to protect socioeconomic rights through the funding of emergency programs, notwithstanding the corruption that has taken place in that regard. Despite our immediate health challenges brought about by COVID-19, the nation must move on. We note and appreciate the willingness of the department through its proposed budget to review the tax policy, support economically integrated cities and communities, develop infrastructure and make government procurement more efficient and inclusive. We also note that this department seeks to facilitate international and regional cooperation. The IFP has always made its position known that inclusive growth and reindustrialization depend on lowering taxes to decrease the cost of doing business and to make our country appealing to foreign direct investment. We reiterate that economic growth will come from inclusive policies and strategies and that it will not come from overly taxing our people and businesses. 
While noting that the proposed review of the tax policy seeks to eliminate tax loopholes, the IFP does not believe that our budget shortfalls will be met by increasing taxes year in and year out. Instead, the IFP believes that lower taxes will drive economic growth, but only when utilized appropriately and not squandered. In this regard, the department must do its part under the constitution. As the engine that drives our economy and funds public programs, this department must thrive in order to fulfill its mandate as per section 2161 of the constitution. It must ensure transparency, accountability, and sound financial controls in the management of South Africa's public finances. However, it appears that the national treasury has fallen short of this obligation as illustrated by the squandering of COVID-19 emergency funds. National treasury must be vigilant to ensure that our hard-earned taxes do not fall into the hands of opportunists who have no regard for the national interest and the plight of our people. The IFP believes that at the heart of this department's budget should be an unwavering commitment to creating opportunities for the youth, most of whom are unemployed. National Treasury must take their plight into consideration and build and maintain an economic policy that ensures that the youth of South Africa are taken care of in an economy, in the economy and given opportunities to thrive. National Treasury must support the state-owned entities to deliver on their mandate and not for National Treasury to throw financial solutions to non-financial to non problems. We call on National Treasury to promote economic growth, social development, and reduce poverty through proper allocation of funds to government departments and efficient oversight of the national purse. It is important for National Treasury to walk its talk and to be exemplary in the financial management so that they themselves are not found wanting and they become the benchmark of sound financial management. Thank you, House Chairperson. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker is the Honourable Vessels. Honourable House Chairperson. House Chair, in a time of financial hardship, sound financial management is more necessary than ever. National Treasury should be the bastion of fiscal responsibility and sound financial management, but itself does not always comply to laws and regulations. And it does not set a good example to other government departments and other spheres of government. According to the Auditor General, management of National Treasury does not respond with the required urgency in addressing identified risks and improving internal controls. That is why the National Treasury incurred more than 249 million rand in irregular expenditure in the previous financial year. It also incurred more than 267 million rand in fruitless and wasteful expenditure due to the delayed implementation of the integrated financial management system. This must be addressed, Minister. Minister, also, we need the public procurement bill to be prioritized. This is long overdue. And each year we hear that it will be tabled and it will be tabled soon. This must be done. We need to include that all tenders and contracts should be published so that there is transparency in all spheres of government. Goeie financiële bestuur sou die huidige financiële krisis 
verhoed het. Beleidssekerheid sou die ekonomische recessie gekeer het. Daar moet van gevalde beleidsrichtings ontslaag geraak word. Privatiseer mislukte openbare entiteite en hou op om belastingbetalers geld te mors op hierdie mislukkings. Losgoed soos een staatsbank voor het nog begin word. Moe nie waardevolle tyd en geld mors op een ideologische beheptheid wat nie in belang van Zuid-Afrika sal wees nie. National Treasury has an impossible task to curb debt and to actually ensure that we do not drift further over the financial or fiscal cliff. And the task is made impossible by failed ANC policies, made impossible by other government departments appointing incompetent officials, wasting money and failing to curb the wage bill. It's made impossible by the continued tender corruption. The only way to save this sinking ship is economic growth. Let us leave ideology and let us work together to create an environment where economic growth can occur, which is conducive for the private sector to invest and create jobs. And let us give tax relief to do this. Let us restore confidence in public procurement and let us then create those opportunities that is necessary to have this country restored to where it should be and let us create a prosperous future. I thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker will be the Honourable Deputy Minister of Finance. The Honourable Deputy Minister. Uh, House Chair, uh, Chairperson of the Standing Committee of Finance, Honourable Joma Swangani and the committee members, Honourable Members of Parliament. Well, the Minister has already spoken at length about the steps we are taking to restore the sustainability of the public finances as we recover from the pandemic. Fiscal sustainability is an important part of economic growth. The National Treasury, in collaboration with the Presidency, has been facilitating the implementation of economic reforms through Operation Vulinvela since September last year. Our aim is to contribute towards raising the level of economic growth and transformation to create jobs, exactly what the honorable members are calling for. Operation Vulinvela does this through accelerating the implementation of key structural reforms in the network industries of electricity, freight, transport, digital communications, and water, as well as visas for skills and tourism. Operational Volindale is not about developing new plans or identifying new reforms. It is about implementing reforms that we've already agreed upon. These structural reforms are implemented by line function departments and entities. If there are disagreements between ourselves as Operation Volindela and reform implementers on how this reform should be implemented, these get escalated to the cluster, cabinet, or the president for resolution. Reforms in the electricity sector are urgent 
because reliable and affordable supply of electricity is critical for our economic growth and recovery path. The departments of public enterprises and mineral resources and energy have made much progress with the implementation of reforms in this sector, such as the restructuring of ESCOM, the issuing of bid window five for the procurement of more power from independent power producers and the procurement process for emergency power. As I said, the shortage of electricity is the single biggest threat to economic recovery apart from COVID-19. We're engaging with the relevant departments regarding further measures which could be taken to bring more power into the system as quickly as possible. These measures undertaken by government to bring additional energy into the system include the recent gazetting for public comment of a draft amended schedule two to the Electricity Regulation Act and raising the licensing threshold for embedded generation from one megawatts to 10 megawatts. Research indicates that the current requirement for a NASA license for plant larger than one megawatt is a deterrent to investment because the licensing process is too complex, lengthy, and expensive for these relatively small investments. The licensing process cannot be simplified or streamlined quickly because most of these steps are required by legislation which we are looking at. We have also been prioritizing reforms in the freight transport sector, given its key role in our economy. In 2020, the World Bank ranked 351 ports internationally in the Container Ports Performance Index publication. We are concerned that our major container ports were ranked in the last five. The poor performance of our container ports terminals has an impact on the competitiveness of our exports and the cost of our imports. It also has major implications for our manufacturer's input costs. I recently visited a local fiber cable manufacturing company, CBI, and I was shown the large extra volume of input materials that have been kept in stock due to the unreliability of our container ports. This must change and it will. To be globally competitive, companies have to operate on the just-in-time principle in which all inputs are supposed to arrive on time for production of goods in order to grow our economy. I'm glad that uh, the Department of Public Enterprise and Transnet are working hard to address corruption and state capture. These factors are the leading causes of poor port performance. Some progress has been made in improving operations 
at our ports since the World Bank study was carried out, particularly at the Devon port. But there's still a long way to go to make our container ports internationally competitive. The provision in the National Ports Act of 2005 for the corporatization of the Transnet National Ports Authority was aimed at providing it with a degree of independence to enable it to treat all port operators equally and to invest its profits in the ports. However, there has been policy discussions and debates within government regard, regarding the implementation of these structural reforms with the potential benefits in terms of port competitiveness being weighed up against the financial risks to Transnet. Together with the Department of Public Enterprises, Operation Vulindlela has been carrying out research on the implications and advantages and disadvantages of this structural reform with a view to assist cabinet to reach a decision on this matter as soon as possible. In the water sector, the Department of Water Affairs and Sanitation is implementing a range of structural reforms aimed at improving regulation of the sector, improving the management of national water assets. The work we are doing will facilitate greater private sector participation in the financing and management of national water infrastructure. The key challenge in implementing these reforms has been a lack of technical capacity in the Department of Water and Sanitation. Operation Vulindela has therefore facilitated technical support in the form of business process re-engineering expertise to the department. We've also facilitated financial and legal expertise to the department to be assisted in developing a business plan and the bill for the establishment of the National Water Resource Infrastructure Agency. In the digital communication sector, we are focusing on the reforms aimed at reducing the cost and increasing the quality of digital communication. This includes the auction of the additional spectrum by ICASA and the migration from analog to digital TV. Unfortunately, the spectrum auction has been put on hold due to legal challenges, but we are hopeful that an out-of-court settlement may be reached to enable the auction to proceed. One of the issues raised in the legal challenges is the lack of completion of the analog to digital migration process. And Operation Vulindela has been working very closely with the Department of Communication and Digital Technology to expedite this process. To address the short-term scarcity for skills for economic growth, we've been focusing on reforms to the work permit system to enable South African businesses to import scarce skills in order to grow our economy. Working together with the Department of Home Affairs, Labor, Trade and Industry and Competition, Operation Vulindela started a comprehensive review 
of the processes for issuing work permits with the aim of identifying possible improvements while still protecting employment opportunities for skilled South Africans. In summary, significant progress has been achieved by Operation Vulindlela. Detailed work is continuing on these reforms. I would like to take this opportunity to thank the ministers, deputy ministers, director generals of various reform implementing departments for their collaboration in implementing Operation Vulindlela. I would also like to thank Business for South Africa, Business Unity South Africa, and Business Leadership South Africa for facilitating technical expertise to support the implementation of some of these reforms. In addition, I would also like to thank industry association that have been that we've been meeting and they've really assisted us in understanding the challenges being experienced. Operation Vulindela is a truly example of our election manifesto commitment of working together, we can do more. Honorable House Chair, one of the priorities identified by the president is uh, fighting corruption and crime. The finance family is central to the country's fight against crime. Financial crimes, if left unaddressed, can seriously undermine the country's developmental path. Our approach as the finance family to improve financial information sharing with the law enforcement agencies is bearing fruit. In 2019, the Financial Intelligence Center worked, established the South African Anti-Money Laundering Integrated Force Summit and a fusion center specifically focusing on uncovering abuses related to COVID-19 response. Summit is a financial information sharing partnership led by the FIC and made up of 22 national and international banks and banking associations, as well as regulatory authorities. The Fusion Center was able to uncover approximately 600 million, which were the proceed of crime. This was done by working um, through collaboration with our law enforcement agencies. Some lead members assisted the FIC to prepare and disseminate information to different agencies. Additional of the success of the Fusion Center are that is seven accused persons are appearing in 22 cases in courts across the country. Using its power, the FIC has frozen 90 suspicious and untoward accounts which had 178 million in them. SARS recovered 248 million in taxes using their empowering legislation. Uh, House Chair and Honorable Members, we thank you for the valuable contribution you have made in this debate 
and for your continued support to the Minister of Finance, National Treasury, and our entities. Together, we are taking the reform process forward and we're glad to have you as our partner in the reconstruction and recovery of our country. Thank you very much, Honorable House Chair and Honorable Members. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Minister. The next speaker is the Honorable Swart. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, the ACDP welcomes the recovery at SARS and commends it on collecting the additional 38 billion. However, this achievement was largely cancelled out by government expenditure far exceeding revenue. And we see that with the fact that although the national budget deficit was now 553 billion, lower than the estimated 603 billion, the fiscal situation is still extremely weak, with the public debt being close to 4 trillion and projected to increase to 5.2 trillion by 2023-24, with debt service costs escalating and crowding out much needed other expenditure. The solution, as indicated by other speakers, by the minister, is in clearly stimulating economic growth and investment to create jobs and boost revenue collection, as well as decisively dealing with corruption and wasteful and irregular expenditure. The ACDP welcomes the announcements by the Deputy Minister in this regard. Collecting stolen state funds, wherever they be, must be a priority. And while millions have been collected, we believe billions can still be collected. And so we welcome the recent announcement of, uh, concerning the Financial Intelligence Center and the fact that SARS and the MPA will be working closer together. As all members know, law enforcement agencies have wide powers to freeze bank accounts and assets worldwide. Artificial intelligence applications, which are used in the private sector, can be used by the public sector as well to trace suspicious transfers from bank to bank as well as from country to country. And it is also possible to apply without notice for an order freezing the proceeds of bank in the bank accounts of those that have taken funds, even if those bank accounts are located offshore. Foreign courts are happy to assist in upholding the rule of law and banks normally do not resist these freezing orders for fear of being labeled co-conspirators with the criminals and losing their license. And we from the ACDP's side would urge you, Honorable Minister, to pursue this with greater vigor. Lastly, it seems that the public procurement bill might finally be tabled uh, only in December 2021, and we regret the delay in its tabling, as it will also go a long way to root out corruption within the procurement system, and it is urgent that it is finalized soon, given that the committee has been asking about its progress over a number of years. The ACDP would conclude with thanking the Minister and members of the Department, SARS, for all their hard work and commitment during this very difficult time. I thank you. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker is the Honourable Abram. Diabulela Slalowenlu, the Quella Quimi Buliso, a Gaslalowam, we call me the Ukonga Itresha. As the ANC, we convey our heartfelt condolences 
on the passing of MP Tongwana, who succumbed to COVID-19 yesterday. May her soul rest in peace and may her family be consoled by the fact that resurrection is promised. The approach of the ANC in assessing the Treasury budget vote remains focused on the purpose of the voted funds. We are assessing the allocation of the funds against the mandate and performance indicators of national treasury. And in our assessment, Honorable Chairperson, we remain positive that both the mandate and performance as measured against the indicators in the vote reflect that treasury is both managing and responding to the economic conditions that, that face the nation. <clears throat> the evidence of our positive response to the budget vote is informed by the fact that though faced with a difficult fiscal position as indicated by other members, Treasury has been able to continue to apply legislative and regulatory framework and produce a coordinated intergovernmental financial and fiscal framework to take the country forward. These respond to the priorities that were laid out in the State of the Nation address in February. We remain convinced, Honorable Chairperson, and this is the view of many economists, that the stability and soundness of our financial system and its related financial services remain a pillar that will support economic growth going forward. The management of revenue and expenditure is another key performance indicator of the national treasury. <clears throat> it demonstrates that facts and evidence derived from the state of the economy have indeed informed the choices made in the crafting of the <clears throat> 2021 national budget. We are equally encouraged and commend SARS on its strategy to rebuild the revenue base. Members like Honorable Swartz have referred to this. We are encouraged that SARS is actively responding to the feeling of critical vacancies and skills as part of building its capacity to secure a stronger revenue base. As there is a further improvement in tax revenue collection, this means that there is less need to raise money in the international markets through issuing bonds. This all contributes to improving fiscal integrity. On managing the national fiscals, an assessment of performance shows Treasury is executing a strategy to ensure that it contains debt and debt service costs. We are well aware of how debt service costs are impacting upon funding manifesto priorities and negatively impacts on investment. Funds to drive economic recovery will remain constrained whilst government has to manage the level of debt that confronts it. On the revenue side, again, a positive indicator of performance widely acknowledged amongst economists is the ensuring of greater capacity to extract revenue. This is assisted by Treasury structural reforms program. 
the Operation Volindela strategy that is being rolled out and led by the Deputy Minister, as he just indicated. Policy mandates that Treasury is responding to, policy mandates that Treasury is responding to are also to be found in the current work being undertaken on the establishment of the state bank where necessary consultations are being conducted. As the committee, we urge for speed in this, in this regard. As was expected, given the devastation of COVID-19 last year on the economy, we are on course for economic growth and we should seize the opportunity. On economic growth and development, our economic reconstruction and recovery plans owes its theoretical existence to the 2019 Treasury document on economic transformation and inclusive growth. This economic strategy document has shaped and influenced the sector programs of our economic reconstruction and recovery plan towards economic recovery. The support for these sector programs is also to be found in various programs of the Treasury budget vote. This indicates a systematic manner of providing ongoing support to these programs and departments that are mandated to drive them over the MTEF. This work is assisted by program two of the vote, which is dedicated to economic policy research, analysis and advisory services in the areas of macro and microeconomics, the financial sector, taxation, and regulatory reforms. This demonstrates that the vote addresses the performance indicator of facilitating economic growth and development. On public finance, Honorable House Chair, and budget management, the vote continues to finance an area of strength, supporting the annual budget process, one of the most transparent in the world, and also attends to an area of greater concern over the years, that of support to public finance management across provinces and local government. In this regard, we welcome the incorporation of the technical support and development finance into the program. Noting the reports of the, both the AG on the state of provincial and local government finances and that of Treasury, this program has introduced reforms to enhance provincial and local government fiscal frameworks, implement township economic development strategies, as well as monitor the ability of the provincial departments to improve their infrastructure planning. Critically, this program responds to what oversight reports of parliament and our budget review and recommendation report have raised, that of the need for greater support to provincial treasures and to strengthen their oversight and address municipal finance performance. We welcome the 80 technical advisors to national treasury, provincial treasuries and municipalities to provide assistance to all three spheres of government to effectively perform their responsibilities regarding local government financial management and compliance. In conclusion, Chair, I wish to say that as these respond to the AG, as they define the instability caused by prolonged vacancies in key positions, and in this regard, regard 
we welcome moves to prioritize the filling of vacancies and acting positions at senior management level at national treasury and entities. We look forward to engaging national treasury research papers uh, that are being worked on. Our assessment, therefore, of the mandate of performance and of national treasury measured against what has been allocated to it by the voted funds is that the national treasury continues to respond to the core challenges which underpin our economy. The management of state resources and provides ongoing regulatory support, technical training and support across all three spheres. The ANC supports the adoption of the vote aid budget. Thank you, Honorable House Chair. Thank you, Honorable Member. The next speaker is the Honorable George. Thank you, House Chairperson. The mandate of the National Treasury includes coordinating macroeconomic policy, ensuring transparency, accountability, and sound financial controls in the management of the country's finances and collecting all taxes. Although the COVID-19 pandemic has caused further devastation to our economy, we were already in serious trouble well before the pandemic arrived on our shores. GDP projections over the past 10 years have been overstated because government's incoherent economic policy consistently failed to generate economic growth. Government remains trapped in its failed ideological belief that it can create economic growth and generate jobs. Government can create the environment for economic growth and job creation if it develops the necessary policy framework and spends the people's money to the benefit of the people. The failed developmental state is clearly unable to break the cycle of unemployment and poverty. That state has made the environment hostile to small business and entrepreneurs and favors a very few politically connected who have become extremely wealthy under the guise of a policy to empower the majority of South Africans who remain trapped in poverty. The policy of broad-based black economic empowerment resulted in exactly the opposite. Riddled with corruption and incompetence, the developmental state has failed. Government focuses now on building infrastructure. The idea is that our economy will grow off the back of big state projects. The state-owned enterprises are a living example of big state projects that have failed and have robbed the poorest South Africans of the basic service delivery that any competent government would be expected to deliver. Despite these spectacular failures, government intends to establish a state bank. This will merely serve as a new method for the corrupt to steal even more, just faster and more efficiently. The macroeconomic policy of placing the state at the center of our economy has failed, and the pandemic has highlighted why. A government unable to roll out a desperately needed vaccine program is not worthy. And where it has provided PPE, the staggering levels of corruption reflects what is happening anywhere government is involved. This collapse in good governance is perhaps Treasury's greatest failure. As the custodian of the people's money, it is responsible for ensuring it is accounted for and steps are taken when it is misappropriated. Treasury has been unable to do that. As the state-owned enterprises collapsed into financial ruin one after the other, Treasury was unable to intervene effectively. Instead, one bailout after another was processed. In the face of a crippling pandemic, the hopelessly bankrupt SAA was bailed out again. Where is the custodian? How does this happen over and over again? There is no doubt that SARS is emerging from its capture by Jacob Zuma's former commissioner, Tom Moyani, and that it will focus on collecting the tax that our economy so desperately needs. 
The focus should be on the wealthy tax evaders who have hidden assets wherever they can, and on the local industries, such as the taxi industry, that generates billions in income and pays virtually no tax. When the people have no confidence that government will spend their hard-earned tax wisely and to the benefit of those who need the service the most, it cannot be expected that taxpayers will feel committed to pay their fair share of the tax revenue. The private sector companies who colluded with the rogues at SARS must also be held to account. It has long been clear that government is not the only perpetrator of corruption. They are facilitated by poorly governed corporations in the private sector. SARS does need to be commended for exceeding tax revenue expectations under difficult economic conditions. The effects of the pandemic are biting hard into the economy and into the lives of hardworking South Africans. Now is not the time for government to be dithering on fi finding solutions. As the pandemic runs its course, we do have an opportunity to emerge with a different economic model, a model that encourages small business and entrepreneurs to thrive, a model that does not tolerate corruption from a government so big and incompetent that suffocates economic growth possibilities. A leaner and more capable government without its millionaire managers can achieve that. The committee noted the slow pace of pension fund reform and that this resulted from complex discussions at NEDLAC. Government has been clear that it intends to access pension fund assets to fund big government infrastructure projects. The question will then be what the form of the state borrowing from pension funds will take and what returns members will enjoy and if they will actually get their money back. Yesterday, the committee received presentations on my private members bill designed to enable pension fund members to leverage their own pension fund assets to their own benefit without eroding their retirement savings. From the discussion, it is clear that an intervention is needed and needed now Given the hardship now faced by hardworking South Africans, heavily affected by the financial and personal consequences of the COVID pandemic, in that interaction, it was obvious why the reform process has stalled. Treasury does appear insensitive to the plight of workers in distress, and the industry lobby appears to have no sense of urgency in getting creative solutions into legislature. This is an ongoing discussion, and on this issue, the DA, Kosatu, and other committee members are on the same page. Treasury does need to up its game on retirement reform, and we look forward to our further engagements. Thank you, House Chair. Thank you, Honourable Member. The next speaker is the Honourable Skosana. Uh, I would be remiss if I don't add my voice and the voice of the African National Congress to condemn the brutal killings of the children, women, elderly, and unarmed people of Palestine by the apartheid state of Israel. As this parliament of the people, we must support the call of the Honorable President and other world leaders for an immediate ceasefire and an end to the inhumane siege on Gaza. 
as we support budget vote eight, national treasury, we must not lose sight of the moment we are in. The steps that government has implemented to ensure the survival of our people from COVID-19 and the resultant social and economic fallout have been remarkable and deserve to be praised. We must, however, maintain keen oversight of the necessary and urgent reconstruction of the South African economy on fundamentally new foundations. The litmus test of a successful recovery will be the inclusion of the majority of South Africans, particularly black people, women, youth, and people with disabilities in the mainstream of the economy. The 53rd and 54th ANC conferences resolved to take economic transformation to new heights by fast-tracking the, develop the development of entrepreneurs, SMMEs, large-scale infrastructure development, and enhancing the capacity of the state to intervene in key sectors of the economy in pursuit of inclusive economic growth and development employment creation, and broad-based empowerment. We congratulate the Ministry of Finance, which together with the Presidency, drive Operation Bulinthela, which seek to facilitate structural reforms to grow the economy and to reduce the cost of doing business. The early success of Bulinthela include the raising of the licensing threshold for embedded electricity generation, as well as the phased switch off of the analog signal, amongst others. The presidency has also released its fourth, its fourth progress report on implementation of the presidential employment stimulus. This report shows that by the end of March 2021, a total of 532,180 people had directly benefited from the stimulus, including 422,786 jobs created or retained and 109,394 livelihoods supported. Malunga Athon Peglego, unlike the DA, which has been dogmatically agitating for the shrinking of the state from regulation and participation in the economy. The ANC believes that the South African economy is in need of decisive state of intervention. Just to illustrate the contradictory stance of the DA, they were the largest, they were the loudest in calling for the extension of the UIF special COVID-19 TERS benefits to support companies in distress. So the DA recognizes the importance of the state only in so far as it can bail out private sector companies, not the economic inclusion of the working class masses and the poor. Honorable House Chair, the National Treasury which in accordance with the constitution and the PFMA is the custodian of macroeconomic policy 
transparency, accountability, and sound financial controls in the management of public finances plays a vital role in the reconstruction and recovery of our economy. Our country therefore needs a capable and stable national treasury that has the agility to navigate the contradictions in the political, social, and economic environment, while it also provides policy coordination with SARS and the South African Reserve Bank. These institutions must work, must work to restore the trust of investors so that they have confidence to invest in South Africa for our country's long-term growth and development. The ANC shall continue supporting these institutions while using oversight to ensure that each one of them delivers on its mandate. We also want to see action against those responsible for corruption, malfeasance, and inefficiency in government departments and state-owned enterprises. On expenditure review, we have taken note that the department has set a number of crucial targets that it aims to achieve in the medium term. This includes focusing on reviewing tax policy, supporting economically integrated cities and communities, and infrastructure development. As the ANC, we are looking forward to receiving and processing the public procurement bill in order to make government procurement more efficient and inclusive. The ongoing work of facilitating international and, and, and regional cooperation is, is critical for our government and the African Union strategy of economic integration of Africa. We also observe, we also observe that the department's budget over the medium term is 2.6 trillion rands of which transfers to provincial governments for the provincial equitable share is 1.6 trillion rands or 60.8%. While the ANC appreciates the 8 billion rands over the MTEF period that is provided through the provincial equitable share to support the COVID-19 response programs of provinces. We are concerned about the baseline reduction of 208.5 billion rands on provincial equitable shares and the general fuel levy. We also share the concern expressed by you, Honorable Minister, that the cost for servicing government debts are simply unsustainable. The debt servicing costs will amount to 33.4% or to about 916.3 billion rands of the budget over the medium term. On fiscal management, the ANC trusts the National Treasury to strike a balance 
between these concerns and steer the economy out of the current challenges so that we do not become like Greece, where in 2009, the budget deficit exceeded 15% of its GDP. In Greece, the fear of a default led to the collapse of the country's bond market. This hampered Greece's ability to finance further debt repayments, thus confining the nation to a debt prison, where it was forced by its lenders to implement austerity measures, which included cutting pensions by 1% of GDP and required a higher pension contributions by employees and limited early retirement. So that is the type of austerity none of us ever want to see in South Africa. Malunga Shonpeglego, it is out of these concerns that we call on the South African government and organize labor in the public service to go back to the negotiating table and work out a solution to break the current deadlock on wage negotiations. They must find a political solution that does not collapse the fiscal framework we have voted for in this Akas House two months ago. If that collapse were to happen, current and future generations of South Africans would never forgive us. In conclusion, uh, Honorable House Chair, it is unfortunate that uh, Honorable Shibambu has made wild allegations against the chairperson of the PIC board. The allegation that was raised by Honorable Shibambu here is the allegation that was raised by one of these uh, entities which is being supported by the PIC in the committee. And that's the committee who agreed that we're going to have a meeting with the PIC board uh, led by the chairperson to deal with this particular matter. So it is quite uh, wrong and uncalled for for Honorable Shibambo to raise this matter in this house because where we are seated now, there's no determination on our side that indeed the chairperson of the PIC is involved in procurement or is benefiting in procurement process of the PIC board. And also on the issue, on the matter of SARS, I think we don't agree with Honorable Shibambo that SARS is currently underperforming because looking at their APPs, looking at their revenue collection that they, they've done in the year under review, I think we, we all agree in the committee that uh, SARS has uh, drastically improved from the performance of the previous years. And they did that under very difficult conditions of COVID-19. So to say SARS is underperforming, we totally don't agree with Honorable Shibambo. In our view is that SARS is uh, slowly but surely improving. That is evident by the fact that uh, they're able to uh, 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 collect more revenue, more than what they had uh, 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 expected to collect. And compared to the other years, to the other previous years, I think they've performed very well. So Honorable Chair, we also agree with other members that say that there's a need for economic growth in order for us to be able to address all the challenges that uh, we're facing. Because if we can deal with the issue of economic growth, we will be able to deal with the issue of unemployment, of poverty, of inequality. So as the African National Congress, we support the budget vote. Thank you Thank very you, much. Thank you, Honorable Member. I now invite the Honorable Minister of Finance to respond to the debate. The Honorable Minister.
I'll, I'll share, thank you very much. Uh, in, indeed, um, um, there's an English expression which goes, um, when the rubber hits the tar, uh, when the rubber hits the tar. <clears throat> it means when you really face reality. So currently there are 163 municipalities which are classified as being in financial distress. 163. 40 municipalities in a financial and service delivery crisis. 102 municipalities who have adopted budgets this year, which they cannot fund. In other words, unfunded budgets. So we, we're facing difficulties. That's where the rubber is the time. And I urge um, members of parliament to help us in their constituencies to look carefully at what is happening with these municipalities. On the 13th of April, 2021, the High Court in Pretoria, Chwane, uh, forced us, no, made a, a ruling that the national executive, being the national government, must take over the running of the Likwa municipality in Pumalanga. And in fact, in terms of the Municipal Finance Management Act, it effectively makes the Minister of Finance the mayor of Likwa. We have to dissolve the council and put in place an administrator who is going to help us manage uh, the municipality. That's when the rubber hits the tar. That's when the rubber hits the tar. I leave that alone and only respond to uh, two other issues. One, the National Treasury um, still remains one of the the best places for young people to grow their careers under the leadership of Dondo Mukhajan. The National Treasury is one of the best institutions together with the South African Reserve Bank, uh, South African Revenue Services, the Defense Force and the Judiciary, which are really holding the country together. And I'm very thankful to the team at the National Treasury for the work they do. I want to address um, one thing as I conclude. And this has been uh, provoked by Honorable Dion George from the DA, who spoke. Honorable. Hmm? My apologies, Honorable Minister. Honorable Abram, will you mute your microphone, please? Please uh, continue, Honorable Minister. Th th thank you, Chair. Thank you. Um, 
uh, I'm sure that was not deliberate, it was just technological uh, issues. I was saying I want to respond to Honorable Dion George from the DA, who I think misunderstands something very fundamental. <clears throat> about why are we so insistent on the state bank? And that's one thing which uh, I can agree with uh, uh, Honorable Shibambu about. Um, why are we so insistent on this thing? Ngakuya apanga, shaipangi salish. No, Pugupangisa is to make mad, not, not, not confused. Yeah. Yes, this state bank thing is a very serious matter. It goes to the heart of what we call finance capital. I know from personal experience when I was in the private sector that the banking industry could not support me on some of my biggest ventures because they could see that there was going to be a very big, successful black person, but they wouldn't come to the party. So they need to find a financial mechanism, a state bank to support the emergence of these black uh, industrialists, black agriculturalists and so on is very, very important, but it will not just support black people because we're building a non-racial South Africa, but also black and white and women and cooperatives and everybody else. So they, you, you really have to have the experience to understand that the current banking system is not fully supportive of the developmental agenda that we want. That's why I agree uh, with uh, Honorable Shivambu, even though he's nasty to me from time to time, but on this one, I agree with him. And we have to, and the Deputy Minister uh, uh, Masondo is now at an advanced stage in taking the matter to, of the state bank to, to, to cabinet. This is something we call finance capital. Without finance capital, you can't go anywhere, I'm telling you. And I know it from having been uh, also in investment banking and so on. You need finance capital to be able to drive through economic transformation. But overall, uh, House Chair, I really would like to thank the members of this uh, uh, mini plenary for their contributions. We've taken extensive notes of what members have said. Uh, we always appreciate working very closely with you. Uh, the National Treasury is at the center of the state system. It's a pillar. and. Um, and, um, and I thank you for your support. Thank you very much, House Chair, and, uh, and thank you to the members. Thank you. Chairperson, uh, just want to assure the minister that I'm not uh, nasty to him, that once you finalize this thing of State Bank, I that on go Honorable Member, you had your opportunity to make the point. I show the minister take note of that. That concludes the debate, Honorable Members, and the business of this virtual mini plenary session. And the mini plenary will now rise. Long live the chair! Titomba wen, sha, sha!